attention architects, and creative minds. Get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our generous sponsors, BetterHelp and RCAT.com. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Taylor Schmidt, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you, Mark. Very happy to be here. Oh, I'm really happy to have this conversation. This is a topic that so many architects are talking about these days. You and I bumped into each other at the AIA conference in San Francisco and started talking a little bit about AI. And I'm like, wait a minute, I need you to be on the show and talk about this so everybody can hear what we're talking about. And so we're just going to talk about AI and a project you're working on and some thoughts, your thoughts on how this might impact our profession. So I'd love to do that. Before we do that, let me introduce you and then learn a little bit more about you. Taylor Schmidt is originally from Chicago and moved to Silicon Valley a year ago to go all in on AI. He grew up a third generation construction family and went to the School of Architecture at the University of Notre Dame. He worked several high-end residential firms in Chicago and LA before starting his own consulting practice, design consulting, back in 2022. And now he's put everything on hold to focus on Corbu. This is his AI-based venture, you know, basically AI for design. And so I'm like, well, let's talk about this on the podcast and share a little bit about this. So welcome, Taylor. Yeah, thank you. That's a great intro. And normally would be calling in from Silicon Valley, but this week specifically, I'm back in Chicago talking to some firms and Great. Visiting family and friends, of course, and getting my last few days of the Chicago summer that we all love. Yeah, yeah. 
before the ice storms start. Yeah, yeah, that's when I'll be back in California. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Let's learn more about you. You come from a construction family. You went to architecture school. When did you discover your passion for architecture and maybe who or what inspired you to move in that direction? So this is definitely something I was born into, quite literally coming from a construction family on my father's side. But then on my mother's side, she was actually an interior designer. So having this lens of design was something that very early on I was aware of and involved with. And the whole joke in the family is, you know, at age five, they gave me a hammer. They said, time to go build shit. Yeah. And then by age eight, I realized, okay, if I become an architect, I can actually tell my family what to do. And this <laughs> running joke is kind of what kept me going. That was the strategy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, we all have the issues in our childhood. But for me, you know, having that outlet be a creative endeavor was very fulfilling Got lucky with my neighbor being an architect and he was like this classic mentor that, you know, designing houses. This was up in Lake Geneva. So something to kind of aspire towards, especially as a young designer. And fortunately, kind of took this Tiger Woods approach where you decide something young and then the rest of your life, you just have this lens of how could what I'm doing now benefit, affect positively yes. what I want to go towards in the future. So that meant for me designing even before entering high school, that was becoming very aware of the construction process, knowing that it would help me become a better architect. And yeah, ultimately ended up going to a pretty interesting design school. If anyone knows Notre Dame, they're very traditionally taught. So most of the uh, education is actually hand drawing, hand painting, kind of this very classical Beaux-Arts way of learning architecture. And that's very 180 from most of the modern design schools out there. So it's kind of interesting now how I'm all in on AI, even though my traditional architectural upbringing was very, you had the May line, you're sharpening the lead holder, and it gave me a deep appreciation for the way architecture was originally taught. And now being on the side of AI, this is something I wish I had as a student for sure. Yeah. What type of construction did your dad do? Yeah, mostly residential. So. You learn how to communicate with a client and you acknowledge and accept that what they decided yesterday might not be what they decide the day after. And you just got to work with it. It's very fulfilling though. You know, you're working in someone's home and it's beyond just fixing a bathroom. It's a beautiful space that they're going to be every day. And kitchen remodels were always like, you're living in the house with them as they're in the separate part of their own home adjusting to this kitchen renovation. So you, you get to know people on a very deep level. And these two maxims that kind of stick with you growing up in construction is something's broken, go fix it. Like that's on you to figure it out. Right. Then if you want it, go make it. And that's physically with your hands. And this was something, you know, my own house growing up, my father added an addition to it. And all of a sudden we had a bigger house and kind of gives you this understanding of, well, you can impact what you want in this world. And that might be to physically make it yourself. Yeah, those are very good lessons. Did you work with him? Did you do construction before design school? Oh, I mean, it's something that was constant, you know, like every weekend you're working in the family business, right? And even yeah. if there's a tough job, like every summer, those were like 
16 hour days, right? Cause it starts early and ends late. And that blue collar upbringing was very fortunate to have because as I entered into working for professional architecture firms, I had this construction knowledge, which was kind of weird to have at my age. Cause you know, some people maybe go into project management and get construction experience even after they graduate. But for me, it was something I already had. So that kind of gave me a leg up, so to speak, earlier in my career, which I then leveraged to end up working at four extremely good firms. And again, mostly in the residential space, some hospitality work. And for me, it's brought a lens of architecture as a student, as a contractor, as an employee in a firm. So there's lots of lens I was viewing the profession. And I think many of us are aware that the profession has some stigmas and there are issues. And this fallacy of long hours, low pay is something that I think we're putting energy into to kind of fix now. Yes. And that's great. And seeing that early in my career kind of made me understand what that future would be if I continued along this path of architecture. And to kind of break that up, what I ended up doing is right after university and having experience working at these residential firms, I ended up just deciding to start my own design consulting practice. That was with the classmate at the time. And for us, it was, you know, we thought we were good designers. Well, we think, we still think we are good designers. <laughs> and how can we leverage this skill set within architecture? And that was acting as, you know, formal design consultants rather than the official licensed architect. That was pretty interesting to partner up with local architects and have them drive the DD and CD phase of the project and us focus more in the earlier phases. Very enjoyable because we're doing a lot more design. Yeah. But once you get exposed to AI, for me, that was about two years ago. You know, my own ambitions and enjoyment in life is kind of solving this problem space in architecture, which is, you know, how can we improve the profession? And I thought by changing the business model a bit, branching out on my own earlier in my career as a design consultant could impact the profession. But now along comes software and that is able to have an impact at scale, which is much more than what one architecture firm could do. So that's kind of the lens I'm approaching this current venture is this is a software that can help uplift the profession. And that attacks a problem space that I've been in a lot better than having a firm that is a little bit different than the norm. Yeah, I find it very interesting that you started your own practice doing design for architects. Where was that introduction to AI? And when it did enter your process, what was sort of your thoughts on it initially? Yeah, this was about two years ago. In Chicago, I'm part of the Lumen Arts Cultural Foundation. And it's a foundation for young, artistic, classically trained artists, whether that's music, ballet, or in my case, architecture. And we got early access to a Dolly from OpenAI as part of an early access program. Mm -hmm. And at the time, everyone was, you know, playing around with NFTs and they're generating text image for seeing the nude board ape. But for me, I was working on this contemporary Frank Lloyd Wright residential house. So I started typing in, show me a contemporary Frank Lloyd Wright living room with a brick fireplace. And these outputs it gave me in images are something that we ended up presenting to the client. And for me to get to that 
spot, I would have had to look at contemporary architecture, historical examples of Frank Lloyd Wright, sketch out ideas, make a model, render it, and then present that to the client. And that was like three weeks or more worth of work. And this just came in 10 seconds from going from the idea, but the text that I wrote out into a discussionable image. And when you overlap that capability into the design process, what I noticed early on is that there's going to be a shift in the way we design. Because historically, if you have an idea, you then have to draw it, model it, present it in order to have a discussion. And once you have that discussion, you then implement it back into the project. And this is kind of like a simple three-step design process that we all go through for iterations. And if you imagine this three-circle Venn diagram, you know what we say is that idea circle and the discussion circle got combined with generative AI. Because as soon as you have that idea, it gets generated and you discuss it. So the visual for me was there's actually a shift going on in how we design because you don't have to sketch out that idea anymore. It could just be generated and you talk about it. At the very least, this tech is inherently making the artistic profession more efficient by shortening that iteration period. Yeah, that's very interesting to basically compress those two phases where you're talking about somebody gathering that information, then going back to the studio, sketching up some ideas, then scheduling another appointment, usually days or weeks later, come back, have a meeting, maybe a Zoom call, right, where you share those online. But there's time in between those. And what you're saying is that that time is now compressed to almost the same phase, right? You talk about it, you say, oh, well, let's see what that looks like. Boom, 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 right? And in three seconds, you have an image of what you just discussed through Dolly and Midjourney and these other AI tools. And just for anybody who doesn't know what Dolly, what Midjourney does, can you just very briefly describe what those tools do? Yeah, so these are diffusion models that go from text to image. So, you know, if you type out a cat petting a dog on the moon in the style of Picasso, that painting doesn't exist. But the output it would give you if you type that out looks as if Picasso painted a cat petting a dog on the moon. And the learning curve with this technology is kind of how you describe what you're thinking of. And whether it's Picasso, whether it's architecture, whether it's content marketing for small businesses, there's use cases all across the board. So once you discovered that for your practice and you started using it for your own use, right, working with architects and coming up with ideas very quickly, showing them some of the ways that they can be using these tools, where to go from there, right? Because today you're actually building an AI tool for design, for architects. And so where did it go from, oh, this is a cool tool that could speed up our process to where you are today with Corbu? Yeah, well, you can imagine two years ago, I had this own, not epiphany, but what we just described was a three-week process that now got completed in 10 seconds. And that value add was so clear to me that I just assumed someone would work on a product for architects, right? Well, me being naive and not knowing Silicon Valley, that isn't quite what happens. And after about six months, you know, if we go back to my own upbringing, this idea of if you want something, go make it. Right. That's the lens I started to apply to AI. I'm like, well, I would be using these design tools every day. I can't be the only one, right? And that for me meant formally moving to Silicon Valley uh, about a year ago. And 
really taking a deep dive into the startup scene, the tech scene. This was pre-chat GPT, so right at the cusp of this AI boom that some people are calling it out in the valley. Getting that early into the space, I've seen a crazy progression, both in terms of the quality of this tech, as well as the adoption. And companies from Adobe to Canva, Chat GPT, most people probably know about these days. And that adoption curve with this new tech is extremely effective because when you apply this lens to other technologies like blockchain and, and the metaverse, that was a lot slower to adopt and people still aren't using it in their daily lives. But now with, you know, the difference with this shift in technology is a lot of people are using this in their daily lives. And sometimes they're actively and knowingly doing it. And other times it's just going on in the background and they're just getting the output they're looking for a little bit faster. Let's take a quick break to say thank you to our sponsors for their support of this episode. Architects, listen up. Is something interfering with your happiness? or preventing you from achieving your goals? Regardless if you have a clinical mental health issue like depression or anxiety, or if you're just a human who lives in this world and is going through a hard time, therapy can give you the tools to approach your life in a very different way. I know this community of small firm architects very well, and I see, I see many of you struggling. That's why I reached out to this episode's sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a platform that makes finding a therapist easier because it's online, it's remote. And by filling out just a few questions, BetterHelp can match you with a professional therapist in as little as a few days. It's easy to sign up and get matched with a therapist. There's a link in the show notes. It's betterhelp.com architect. Just use that link, betterhelp.com architect. Clicking that link helps support this podcast, but it also gets you 10% off your first month of BetterHelp, so you can connect with a therapist and see if it helps you. If you need someone to talk to, consider online therapy with BetterHelp. Click the link in the show notes or visit betterhelp.com architect. That's betterhelp.com architect. Thank you to BetterHelp for supporting this podcast and for supporting our community of small firm architects. For over 30 years, RCAT has been providing AEC professionals with high-quality and up-to-date building product information. Today, RCAT.com is much more than a product catalog, with BIM, CAD, and specifications created in collaboration with manufacturers. Beyond that, RCAT.com also offers lead data, continuing education resources, newsletters featuring the latest projects and products, and, don't forget, detailed podcasts. Artcat.com is truly the one-stop shop for everything architecture. Try it out. Go to Artcat.com. That's A-R-C-A-T.com. So where does it go from using this in your tool, recognizing that there's this void in our industry, which is not surprising for architecture and our profession. We're usually Traditionally, we've been about a decade behind the rest of the world with technology, but because technology is rapidly compressed these days, right? You come up with this idea and a couple of years later, it's throughout our society. You know, obviously this is going to also be a little bit more rapid, but still 
right? You went to look for that tool and the tool wasn't there. So went back to your roots and said, okay, well, I'm going to build this, right? This is something that we need. I need, so go do it. So what did you start building? What we originally were after is completely different to what we have now. And the thought process at the time was, let's start getting AI incorporated from day one in the design process, which coming from the design world, that's that interview with the client, right? And you ask them, what do you like? What don't you like? What colors? What materials? Try to understand the vibe. So we started by taking that questionnaire and that data and then generated images based off of those questions. And for me, I'm like, this is great. Like you send it out to your client. Like you don't need to have like maybe the first couple of meetings because they can just figure out the images that they do like. Part of the issue with that is the initial users we talked to almost had secondhand embarrassment with some of the outputs from the images. Cause a year ago, yes, text to image was around. But the quality was not as good as it is today. Right. So the timing for that was slightly off because people would see the generated images and they wouldn't want that to represent the work of their firm. Right. And it, it got me pretty quickly to realize that, okay, this might be a use case, but now we need to figure out how to get this profession to start adopting this tech. It's something that if you're not exposed to it, it might even be scary. And Understanding that we're dealing with the older industry and, you know, this has been around for thousands of years. Like architecture is very traditional in how we go about things. I kind of had to rethink our go to market approach and, okay, well, what would be a product that tackles these repetitive and tedious tasks in the industry rather than this more fun, creative side? And that could be interviewing the client, right? Like that wasn't resonating well. Yeah. So it wasn't until about February when a new model came out, which anyone in the AI space should know about. It's called ControlNet. And what that allows for is this rendering process and architecture can now be streamlined by AI because it gives the user more control in the output they're looking for. So talk about that. I don't know what that is. Repeat what it is and how it works. Yeah. So this open source model by a company called Stability AI their text image model is called Stable Diffusion. And since it's open source, it allows for other people to build on top of their own tech. And one model that was built on top of this is called ControlNet. And what that model allows for is you can upload a hand sketch or you can upload a 3D model and then turn that base image into a final rendering. And most people at the time were using this maybe for faces you can use it for video as well to keep the scene in control. Well, video might not be the best example, but we'll keep this sketch to image example. That's probably clear for the audience. And that was an open source model. So for us, that was a much easier approach to you know, present the designer, hey, you're already doing this rendering workflow. Now you can do it 10 times faster with AI. And since a lot of people outsource these renderings or they do have a full-time renderer, like they see the time that goes into it. And when you show them on a demo that, well, this now can take 10 seconds, that looks like magic to them. So, you know, we kind of learned that what's going to be resonating with your user base is something that actually tackles these tedious and repetitive tasks in the profession. And we're not, you know, altering the design process. What we're trying to do is automate a lot of these inefficiencies. 
I think that's a very good approach. I think you are straight on. I think a lot of architects who are afraid of AI and where it potentially could go, but using the idea of this is going to help us be more efficient and really continue to use the process that we've done traditionally, but use technology to make it more efficient and more effective. And so if you consider how we work today, where maybe a designer goes through the process of design, puts some sketches together, some preliminary, maybe even some pencil sketches or marker color, whatever, right? So the designer's doing that. And then they hand it off to an employee to do the rest, right? They develop the model, they spend some time rendering it, adding materials. And then, you know, a week later, that sketch is, comes back with the architect's idea a little bit more developed and a little bit more presentable. That process that we're already using can now be seconds, right? That you take that concept, that idea, which you're still creating as the architect, right? So you're still in control of the concept and the partie of the design. But now rather than a team spending a week on it, it's technology doing it within seconds. And then which you can then iterate over and over and over again and improve your design over and over again, right? Yeah, you nailed it. And what we were going for, even in calling this company Cord Boo, is we see a future where architects actually have this AI design assistant. In our case, you'd be calling it Cord Boo, and you would speak to it as if you have a physical design assistant next to you. Yeah, that's what I was imagining. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And that process of you hand it off to them and they go do the work and bring it back to you. That's actually what you can do with AI today. You can sketch that out, have AI render it. Now you look at it in about 10, 20 seconds, and you're able to further iterate and edit that image. And this is 10, 11 months into AI, right? Like we're not even touching on 3D yet. This is all still a 2D world because that's kind of the state of the tech. But what we're slowly approaching towards is now entering into 3D. And that's where you further are able to automate and streamline some of these workflows. So having a design assistant that, you know, acts as a renderer is effective and useful. But now having a design assistant that acts as a 3D modeler, that's further emphasizing this future of a very effective, efficient, and even more collaborative workflow. Because you don't need to go back and forth over a course of weeks with the client. What we're moving towards is live designing with the client, which is almost an attestment going back to hand-drawing. Right. There's still people today that can live design with the client and sketch things out right. upside down, eyes closed. Well, that's what we're all going to be able to do with AI. Yeah. Very, very interesting. And I love your approach, right? Bring it in slowly, take on some of the assistant level tasks. So you're not really replacing the architect. You're not really replacing the profession. You're enhancing it, making it better, making it more efficient. What are your thoughts about? Because some of the people who are doing that work are interns, right? Or emerging professionals who are learning the process of architecture and eventually becomes the principal. Those people now are being replaced by AI in your model. What do you imagine happens in that scenario? How do we now, and I don't know if you've even considered this, but what happens to the business organization of an architecture firm in the future when AI is fully developed and working 
and architects are in control of this process, which is very important. This is something that I've talked about many times before. If architects don't embrace this technology and become the leaders of it and manage it and use it and be perceived in the public as the leaders of the process, we will be replaced. Someone else will come along and take that role. Contractors will gladly take that role from us using AI. So if architects don't, they will. But inevitably, the business model changes, right? This organizational structure of our firms change. What are your thoughts on that? How do we go from architecture school to licensed professional leading architecture firms without that sort of internship, the apprenticeship that is so needed and critical in our process? Yeah, absolutely. I think in the future, the same statements that any architect could have this AI design assistant is also true for that quote unquote intern Mm -hmm. or someone early in their career. Everyone can have access to this AI design assistant. And perhaps that means there's different functions to these assistants. And especially what's happening out in the Valley is rethinking even education outside of architecture. There's a lot of personalized content that can now be targeted and even generated for our own way of learning. And many industries are going to kind of go through this. Like what happens if a lot of these tasks get automated and we're not able to kind of pass on this knowledge? Well, I think that could be where AI comes back into play. And if there's this architecture machine that acts as this second brain, so to speak, If we start using that in design school and is able to quite literally learn with you and remember your own style of synthesizing, analyzing architecture, understanding how you have evolved as a designer, I mean, that AI assistant can continue on to the profession. And, you know, this is maybe getting a little utopian, which I'm happy to go further into. But simply put, I think anyone involved in design can have an AI design assistant, whether that's helping them become more educated in how a specific firm designs, you know, because you flip it around. If you have a, an AI design intern, well, why can't you have an AI design principal? And maybe they're not actually designing, they're just probing questions to young designers. And those questions are allowing them to further think through what it is they're doing. I mean... That's kind of flipping that idea, right? Like not just a design assistant, but... That is very interesting. Why can't we have a design principle that's teaching us as we go throughout this process? Yeah. It also, as you imagine it, you know, it's going to compress the time, just like it's compressing the time at a micro level. It's going to compress the time at a macro level, the time that it takes for an architect to become a licensed practicing architect. Right now, it takes, you know, 10 years to get to the point where you can even start the process of licensing, where actually that's not true today. You can start that process in architecture school. But, you know, that time will be compressed too, right? Because we'll have these tools that will help us learn quicker, do our tasks quicker. I also love that idea that your design assistant grows with you, right? That it's not a different design assistant. The one that starts with you in architecture school is the one that grows with you and, you know, dies with you, right? That it's the same tool the same AI that is your partner, right? Is that it's your assistant. That's a very interesting concept and will happen for sure will happen. And so that's a interesting thought to consider. 
Yeah, let's take that a step further. All of us have gone through this. We're on vacation. We see beautiful architecture. We take a photo, right? Right. Well, what really happens with that? It just gets lost in your camera roll. And something I'll encourage everyone to think about is, well, what if there's ways to kind of organize these design thoughts that you have them so that, you know, when you try to recall, oh, we were in Venice and, you know, what was this building? Right. Well, if you have this design assistant that's been gathering all this data of personalized design decisions you've made in your own designs, you've come across in real life. Yeah. That's where it gets very interesting because if you want to think about improvements in the profession, I think we all can continue to learn from great examples of architecture. And whether that's ancient or whether that's modern, having that ability to kind of relive those experiences and even understand why you took that photo or, or what it is you like about it. I think that's all part of this design assistant that grows with you. Yeah. It's kind of recalling what you thought at the time. Yeah, that's so interesting. This is a conversation that could go on for hours or maybe even days. And so we'll have to come back in a year or so and see where you are with Corbu and continue this conversation. But before we wrap things up, I'd love for you to answer our question that I ask all my guests. What's one thing do you think a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? This is a very interesting conversation. So it'll be interesting to see your answer to that question. Yeah, I would encourage everyone to start to dip their toes into AI. And that could be text, that could be images. But think about assigning as like tactical, practical actions. Look at maybe a smaller project or a renovation and start to have this lens of how can our current process now be enhanced with AI? And that's going to be true for maybe searching through codes, maybe reviewing meeting notes from a client. What we're doing as a company is building out a platform that is looking at these workflows and trying to understand how best can AI automate what we're already doing. And you as a firm owner can do that yourself. And that can be with ChatGPT and just focused on the text of the profession that could be with images. And it's not to say that you have to do this for every project, but I'll just encourage you to try to test it out. And you also can wait a year to see how things progress. And maybe this works for your workflow. Maybe it doesn't. You know, we're not here to tell you how to design, but I think we'll be here to encourage you to at least try it out. Very good. His name is Taylor Schmidt. You can learn more about Corbu at corbu.ai. I should go check that out and learn all about what Taylor and his team are doing. Taylor, I appreciate you coming by here and giving us your knowledge, sharing your knowledge with us about AI, your story, what you're doing today, and where you think some of these tools may go in the future. I'm looking forward to having another conversation with you as you develop Corbu and it evolves, which it will inevitably do. AI is here. It is here now and it is impacting our profession in a very big way. And I said earlier, and I've continued to say it, we need to embrace this technology and learn how to use it to our advantage and become the leaders in it. And Corbu is helping us do that. So thank you, Taylor, for that. And I appreciate you coming by here and sharing your knowledge at Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. 
If you liked this episode of Entree Architect Podcast, please share a link with a friend. That is the best way to help us grow. And that's how we have grown to serve thousands of architects just like you. Share a rating, write a review, but most important, share a link to this episode that you just listened to. Go send it off to a friend. I'd really appreciate it. Thank you to all our sponsors for this episode. Links to the sponsors and all the resources that we discussed today in today's episode. They're all found at entrearchitect.com slash podcast. Entree Architect is a member of the Gable Media Podcast Network, the next evolution of interactive media and resources for the AEC community and beyond. You can now earn continuing education credits for listening to this podcast, Entree Architect Podcast. Select episodes are available for continuing education credit. Go learn more at gablemedia.com slash members. And if you are a small firm architect, listen up, architects. Join us today at Entree Architect Network, the worldwide organization for small firm entrepreneur architects. That's you with monthly business training, business resources, special session webinars, mastermind groups, and a thriving community of small firm architects. Your peers are there. Hundreds of them are there already. We will provide you with the support and the encouragement that you need to succeed. Hey, and this is super exciting. This is new coming in 2024, Entree Architect Coaches. Yes, finally, after all these years, business coaching for small firm architects. It's coming to Entree Architect Network in early 2024. Join us. Try Entree Architect Network for free for 30 days. It's free for 30 days. Visit network.entrearchitect.com to learn more. That's network.entrearchitect.com to learn more. Try it. Come join us. Try it for 30 days. Thank you for listening to this episode of Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark R. LePage. Love, learn, and share what you know. Imagine earning continuing education credits while doing exactly what you're doing right now. Well, you can. Gable Media has revolutionized the way you earn your continuing education credits with a groundbreaking approach. Forget running around town and scouring the internet for credit-worthy courses. Fulfill your CE requirements effortlessly by listening to engaging podcasts just like the one you're listening to now. Our podcasts are designed to educate, entertain, and inspire all in a user-friendly environment. But wait, there's more. Architects, Gable Media is also approved as an AIA continuing education services provider. Upon completion, we handle everything, from reporting your hours directly to the AIA to storing your certificates in your personal Gable Media profile for your self-reporting needs. So follow the link in the show notes and start earning your credits in the most innovative and entertaining way possible with Gable Media. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. 
there is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.